Well, as I've said multiple times, we are celebrating a new year, and in my household, you know, we're originally from Florida, so that's the East Coast, so every year we celebrate on that time, and mainly because we want an excuse to not be able to make it to 12, since Michaela and I tend to be wimps and we can't handle that late night, especially with two kids that are oftentimes crying. Uh, so we celebrated New Year's today, or this past weekend at 10 p.m., which was great. And uh, I know many of you did very similar things. Well, each New Year, what's the common thing that we do? We do what? We create New Year's resolutions. And these are oftentimes goals to be able to approach the new year with some some oomph and some hopefully resolutions to do different things. I went online and decided to look up what some common goals are, and many are goals that you would expect. And, and I'm sure if I were to ask you guys what are some common goals, you would know everything on the, this list. But here are some of the most common goals that uh, people make or resolutions that people make. And of course, the first one is to exercise more and uh, lose weight, and probably some of that Thanksgiving, Christmas weight comes to mind, right? To get organized, to learn a new skill or hobby, to live life to the fullest, to save more money or to spend less money, to quit smoking, to spend more time with family and friends, to travel more, to read more, you know, everything on that list is all in all pretty good, right? It's all things that really relate to our general health and well-being, the health that we hope to maintain with our physical bodies, the health that we need to hopefully maintain with the work balance of life and being organized as well as being able to enjoy life's pleasures, to experience new things, to travel, to spend time with friends and family, all things that ultimately we could say are good. But yet every year we come back to the same list realizing oftentimes that we failed miserably <laughs> the year prior. You know, if you remember one of my resolutions this past year was to, on this list, to be able to gain a new skill, and that was to, to work on an instrument. Well, I failed miserably at this, but I think, I think God in His providence has a funny way of being able to remind me of that, because when we bought this new home, it came with the piano, as if the Lord was kind of nudging me uh, to try to get better at this. So hopefully I'll be able to catch up to all the kids that are taking piano lessons here pretty soon, and maybe I can jump on the piano there with Barb. We'll see. <laughs> But when I think of goals and I think of resolutions, and maybe when you think of goals and resolutions, maybe you think about maybe that time that you were in school or at a particular job and 
I don't know if you've had this similar experience, but any of you ever had a, taken a class, whether in high school or college, or, or been in a job that has you do a one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year goal? Any, anybody have a, a job that has had them do that? Well, I've, I've had jobs in, in classes that have had me do that throughout the years, and I always thought it was a, pe- a peculiar thing, especially when I was 17 and 18, and it just felt like I didn't even know what was coming next. And now, I think these things could be good and healthy practices, right? To be able to think about the future and hopefully plan for the future. I think think God likes that. I think there's nothing wrong with being able to kind of in some ways try to order your steps and to think about where you want to be in life, right? And hopefully to try to work towards different goals, that you set. But I remember specifically in my early 20s when I would try to set up these goals. And then what often would happen? Well, something would get in the way. Maybe my health would fail, or the finances wouldn't line up the way that I would want. Or something in life would happen that would wreck my plans. And This happened so often in life that I used to say, well, I like making plans and God likes wrecking them. (laughs) And maybe you could relate to that experience. A time or two in your life when you've tried to make a plan, make a goal, make a resolution, and then something happened. Maybe you didn't quite get the job that you wanted. Maybe you got unhealthy or, or, or an illness befalled your family or somebody within your family went through a trauma that just changed what you expected out of life. This could be crushing. This could be difficult. Because in some ways, when we try to set goals for ourselves, when we try to commit resolutions for ourselves, and we don't follow through with those resolutions, what oftentimes happens to us? We feel crushed. We feel discouraged. We feel let down. And we feel a sense of failure in our lives. Well, I want to take some time today hopefully allowing our church to process this together. Because you see, I think 2022 is going to be a very exciting year for our church. It's going to be a very exciting year for you. And I'm believing in big and great things, that the Lord is going to do wonderful things in your life, that He's going to do breakthrough, that you're going to see the Lord working in your life. But I know that in order for this to happen, we need to be able to approach 2022 with some intentionality. So those that are listening today and maybe listening later on the podcast, I hope that you will listen well to this message because I think it will set you up well for this year. Because here's the thing, church. We don't want to just set resolutions that don't offer us any meaning. We want to develop resolutions that ultimately bring glory 
to our God. That ultimately are a part of what God is calling us to. Amen? Amen. So in order to do that, let's look at the book of Philippians. As I said earlier, we're going to be in Philippians 3.12. And I'm going to read this first and then hopefully give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. So Paul, the author of this book, writes in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So what's going on in this verse? You see, this verse, and specifically within this chapter, marks a transition in this book. And I know that we haven't read the last few chapters together, but just to kind of give you a little bit of an understanding of this book, Philippians was specifically addressed to the church in Philippi, uh, in, in Philippi. And Philippi specifically is in this Macedonian region of Greece. It's in modern-day Greece. And Paul is writing this letter, most likely in a Roman prison, probably a house arrest, to this church in order to encourage them. But what's really interesting about this book is that, or at least in this portion, is Paul is kind of in some ways reflecting on his own situation of imprisonment and thinking as well as the goals and the things that he wants to accomplish. Now, I find that interesting. Because if you were to ask me, I don't know if I would be able to accomplish a lot of goals in life while under imprisonment, right? It kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive to working out the goals that I have to be stuck in a prison house arrest situation. But yet Paul is writing to this church trying to encourage their faith in reflecting on the goals of life. Specifically, he in some ways is thinking about his own life as well as the things that he still feels called to accomplish. What is God calling you to accomplish? Specifically, what is Christ called you to? You see, I think in some ways being able to approach 2022 in order to in some ways enter into what I was talking about, about the big things that I think the Lord wants to accomplish in your life, we need to be able to examine what Christ has ultimately called you to. Do you know what Christ has called you to? And perhaps you feel like that's an unfair question. Because I know for many of us, we can feel like the Lord hasn't ultimately revealed what He has called us to. So today I'm going to give you three key points to develop your faith in 2022. And the first one is to align your goals with Christ. And if you have a pen and a paper, I encourage you to write that down. To align your goals with Christ. This may seem obvious and a bit on the nose, but it's really important. 
to align your goals with Christ. See, a question that I'm oftentimes asked, especially as a pastor, is how in the world am I to know what God is calling me to? I'm amazed at how often that question comes up. And it doesn't just come up with young people that are wondering what they're called to, but I get asked this question all the time. And a lot of times, it's people that are well advanced in their years that still have not discerned from themselves a sense of calling. And, and don't get me wrong, I get it. Sometimes life has its challenges, right? Sometimes there are situations in life that really, in, in some ways, cause us to have a sense of fear or paralysis of what we are to do next. I mean, my wife and I, we were just experiencing this with buying a home. We were searching for a two-year period, and we got to a point where it just felt like the price tag kept on going higher and higher and higher, and there was this, a, an element of, of fear in whether this was the right decision for us or not. Because, you know, is the market going to crash, or are things just going to continue to go up? And all these things caused us to say, Lord, is this what you have for us? Is this the right choice? And I get it, those situations can come up. But here's the thing. I'm not just talking about the yes and no decisions with purchasing a home or what vacation to go to or specifically what job to take. I'm talking about what is the calling of your life? What is the narrative of your life that if one day you were to pass away, what is the story that your life is meant to tell? That is what I'm getting at. If you want to have an exciting 2022, if you want to see God show up in amazing ways, then in some ways what you need to be able to do is identify your call. And a part of that comes with aligning your goals with Christ. I remember in seminary, we would ta often talk about the difference between vocation and calling. A vocation being perhaps something that you're paid to do, something that you feel driven towards that is offering you money, hopefully, and a calling. You see, sometimes we get those two wrapped up as one. And there are moments in life where they can be wrapped up as one, but I want us today to think about those two things as separate. I remember reading a book from Mark Laberton, the president of Fuller Seminary, a book that was actually titled, Called, and he wrote this. He wrote, the vocation of every Christian is to live as a follower of Jesus today. In every aspect of life, and please listen to this because this is what's really good. In every aspect of life, in small and large acts, with family, neighbors, and enemies, we are to seek to live out the grace and truth of Jesus. This is our vocation, our calling. Did you capture that? 
In every aspect of life, we are to seek to live out the grace and truth of Jesus. That's our calling, church. If you, if you in general are questioning what you are called to, in very simple, general terms, that is ultimately what God is calling you to. To bring glory to Him in the context that you live in. So that means that if you are a teacher, you're to live out the grace and truth of Jesus as you teach looking to enrich those who need an education. If you're a counselor, to live out the grace and truth of Jesus as you counsel, looking for opportunities to help better people's lives with good and wholesome truth. If you're an office administrator, or a temporary office administrator, you're to live out the grace and truth of Jesus as you attend to office matters and the organization at large. If you're a stay-at-home parent, you're to live the grace and truth out of Jesus as you nurture your children who are the future of this world. And look, I have a list that keeps on going on and on and on, and I'll end with this, that if you're a pastor, okay, I'm speaking to myself, live out the grace and truth of Jesus as I teach, preach, counsel, and shepherd the flock. Pastors have strange jobs. That's a lot of different roles. But are you getting what I'm saying here? You want to know your calling? Well, this is your calling. You need to be able to bring glory to God in whatever you're doing. Here's the beautiful thing about that. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I know for each and every single one of us here, in some way, shape, or form, there took a level of training, right, to be able to do the job that you're doing now. Maybe it was going through grade school, middle school, high school, all of that to get to the job that you have. Maybe it was going to college or trade school. I know for myself it was four-year university, getting a bachelor's degree, then three-year seminary, then internships, and all this other stuff along the way in order to get into this role for myself. One of the wonderful things about understanding a calling in life is that it doesn't necessarily require a vocation. Don't wait, especially if you're younger. And if you know somebody that's younger, that's wrapped up in this right now, don't wait to have a specific job in order to fulfill your calling. Did you hear that? Because this is so important. And you know, I've spent many years ministering to younger people who oftentimes forget this. You don't need to wait for a specific job in order to fulfill your call. You know, in a general sense, I'm talking about how each and every single one of us as a Christian is called to bring glory to the Lord. But on a specific sense, we do have different callings. You know, for myself, the thing that I feel called to do in life is to be able to help people see the beauty of God through what they can know 
and experience in him. I've written that down throughout the years. This is what I feel called to. There's this sense in my soul that I want to be able to show people how beautiful the Lord is. And it pains me every time I, I, I hear somebody saying that, oh man, I grew up in church, it's such a dull experience. Or, or man, I, you know, I never realized that God was beautiful. That always hurts me. And it, you know, it's nice to hear when people realize that God is beautiful, but it, it always hurts me in a sense because I feel specifically driven to that. So that's why when I read God's Word, I, at least I try to work hard at making it exciting because I think it's exciting. I think it's beautiful. I, or in fact, I should better said, I know it's exciting. I know it's beautiful. So I feel called and driven to do that. So, of course, being a pastor affords me an opportunity, right, to do that on a weekly basis. And I feel so pleased and blessed that I have the kind of vocation that allows me to fulfill, or, or at least to operate in that call with more specificity. But in reality, I got to live out that call before ever becoming your pastor, before ever becoming an official pastor, and in the same way, you need to identify what your calling is. In a general sense, it's to bring glory to God. But what specific thing has the Lord put on your heart that He wants you to do? Don't just think that that only comes with a specific job. Because ultimately, you can live that out at any point of your life which is wonderful because it means that one day if I'm not a pastor or one day if, if for any reason you know, I retire from being a pastor, it means that my work doesn't stop, right? Those of you that are retired, your work does not stop when you retire from your job because here's the thing, your calling exists throughout your life until you take your last breath. Amen? I believe that, church. Now, we've in some ways talked about what we're generally called to, but how do we specifically know what that specialized call? I shared mine with you, how I feel called to bring, be, uh, help people discover the beauty of God. But what are you specifically called to? God's Word helps us understand that. One of my favorite passages that I like to bring people to comes out of the book of Romans. Romans 12.1 specifically, in my opinion, helps us understand how to discover God's will for our life. And I'll read it to you, 1 through 4. It's definitely a good one to underline. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, say that with me, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Did you hear that? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's the formula. You want to know what the Lord's will is in your life? Then you just need to worship Him. You need to commit your life sacrificially to Him. And as you do that, as you in some ways allow yourself to, to say less of me, more of you, 
then ultimately what ends up happening is your mind and the Lord's mind start to line up. And that is where I'm specifically getting at when I say align your goals with Christ. Is that when you live sacrificially and when you allow yourself to not be conformed by this world, but instead be conformed by the Holy Spirit and God's Word, then what happens? You start to see what God sees. You start to desire what God desires. And then in some ways, you are more able to be able to trust the intuitions. You're able to hear the Holy Spirit with more clarity because here's what oftentimes happens is the more that you live for this world, the easier it is for your mind to become distracted and clouded uh, and, and, and in some ways prevented from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's like living in a messy room where you can't see anything because it's cluttered with a whole bunch of junk. So in some ways, being able to clear out that room in order to allow God to minister to you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you is when you, for yourself, discover better what God is calling you to. You know, so often, I remember my wife asking me, well, did you pray about it? And it's a good question, right? You know, nothing wrong with, with, with being asked, did you pray about it before making a decision? And sometimes I tell my wife, honey, I didn't need to pray about that. I'm, I'm happy to pray about that, but I didn't need to pray about that. Because ultimately, I know that God wants me to do that. You know, God wants me to be generous. God wants me to love the downtrodden. God wants me to be able to give and in, in work towards efforts that bring justice, that help bring people peace in their lives, that help spread the good news of the gospel. I don't need to pray to the Lord in some ways to know that I need to be kind to Jackie, right? And to not speak harshly to her. I can just do that. I can just bless Jackie. I can just bless Mike and say kind things that Jesus loves you. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying not to pray. But do you, you, you hear the spirit of what I'm trying to communicate here? Church, allow yourself to align better with Christ. I'll move a little quicker now in continuing what Paul writes here in, in Philippians 3, 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. The second key point for today in being able to develop your faith in 2022 is to look forward and not in the past. This is so important. To look forward and not in the past. Does that mean the past doesn't matter? No, it does. It does. Some of us, unfortunately, will reap consequences for our past and that's difficult in some ways we're all reaping consequences for our past because we're all sinners right but ultimately 
what this means is, is that you don't allow your past failures and mistakes to be the only thing that defines you. That's not God. The whole good news of the Gospel is the fact that you have new life. Amen? That the old is gone and the new has come. That is the beauty of the Gospel. And if we stay in our past, if we allow the failures in life to be the only thing that defines us, what ends up happening is is that we end up being ruled by all the things that, that we made mistakes with and we never get to advance to the things that God is calling us to. Even Paul, in the midst of imprisonment, in the midst of struggles. And I mean, look, if you don't remember the kind of person that Paul was, he was literally persecuting the church. He was literally on his way before God interrupted his life to bring turmoil to those who were Christians. So if anybody knew what it was like to move forward in life and to not let the past rule you, Paul knew that. Church, the Lord has given you new life. The Lord has forgiven you of your past sins if you've asked for forgiveness. Move on. Let go. And continue to allow the Holy Spirit, to drive you forward. Amen? This is a hard lesson to learn. You know, growing up, I was very fortunate to have a really good uh, teaching pastor team, and one of our teaching pastors at the church I grew up in was John Maxwell, and I'm sure you guys um, have heard of him before. He, if you go to any bookstore and you go to the leadership section, you'll see a whole shelf of his books. And he mainly specialized in leadership books, but uh, he was a pastor and he was one of the teaching pastors at our church. And in his book, Failing Forward, he writes this. Now, I want, I, granted, it's mainly to people that are trying to advance more in their careers, but, but I still think there's some deep spiritual truth here. He writes, the difference between an average, average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. I'll say that again because I know I don't have it on the screen right now. The difference between average people and achieving people is their perceptions of in response to failure. Again, I know that he's mainly writing to people that are trying to advance in some ways in life, but here's, here's the spiritual truth here. It matters how you respond to your failures in life. I'm not saying, and I've said this already, that the past doesn't matter, because it does. There are moments in life where we should be mindful of the mistakes that we've made, especially if those mistakes have harmed somebody else. You know, I'm thinking about situations where a parent has, has unfortunately parented poorly to a child. 
You should allow that to be something that you remember so that you know how to do what? You know how to learn from that mistake as well as ask for forgiveness and hopefully do what? Help teach other people to not make that mistake again. This is the whole reason why we study history in life, right? So that we do not commit the same errors of history. This is why it's such an important subject in school is because we need to learn from our mistakes. So in the same way, I want to encourage you to acknowledge your failures, to understand your shortcomings, but yet to do it in a way that is in in a healthy order. That is, to observe your mistakes, to learn from your mistakes, to ask for forgiveness for your mistakes, but and then to move on. And to not ultimately allow those mistakes to define you in life. You know, one of the most freeing things you can do is move on from the past. Church, if you want to have a successful 2022 and growing your faith, move on from the past. There's something in your life that you are holding on to that you have not let go of. Today's the day to allow the Lord to work that in your life. To ask for forgiveness if you haven't asked for forgiveness, maybe both to God and maybe to somebody else that you've offended but to allow today to be a day where you find victory over conquering your past and moving on. Because here's the beautiful thing. Jesus already paid for that on the cross. You're already free from that. But are you willing to walk into that freedom? It's an important question, is it not? Because if you don't, what will end up happening is you'll continue to live in fear. Let me ask you, parents in the room, have you had the experience of being able to teach a kid to ride a bike? Just a show of hands if you have. So most of you, right? One of the most important things with teaching a child to ride a bike, and I'm working with Theodore right now. He has one of those bikes with no pedals that they just kind of go like this. <laughs> is to do what when they fall? To get back on. Why? Because we all understand, at least in that type of example, that if we don't get back on, what ends up happening? We become fearful of it. And in some ways, and this is actually clinically proven within psychology, a healthy thing to do is actually to expose yourselves to the fears, in a healthy way, to the fears and the things that, that haunt you. Because it allows you to overcome it. But if you don't have that kind of exposure, what ends up happening is the fear continues to grow and develop. So church, as another reminder, move on from the past. Because if not, it'll cripple you. My last key point for today in order to help develop your faith in 2022 and developing the goals and the resolutions that you are desiring is to seek to grow in Christian maturity. I hate to say this, 
But some Christians live decades on milk. And the Bible talks about this, and if you're one of those Christians that living on milk, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about because maybe you haven't even read the passage that I'm referring to in Hebrews. But what this basically means is you live in the same cycle of not growing in your faith, dealing with the same exact sins, not reading your scriptures, not coming, committing to Christian community, not working towards advancing the gospel, not doing anything other than just trying to be in a constant state of feed me, feed me, feed me. You know, one of the things that you learn quickly as a parent is the smaller a child is, right, the younger they are, the more they're in need of their mother. But what you try to do as a good parent is what? You try to wean them off of certain things in order for them to become more independent. Look, we're ultimately always going to be dependent upon God as well as dependent upon each other in Christian community. But we need to realize that the Lord does not want us to stay on milk. Amen? He wants us to grow in our faith. And in order to do that, we need to work at it. You know, I, I hate to admit this story, but it's true. I remember one time I was uh, complaining to a family member who's a Christian and she's a good person um, about the fact that I just was in a season where I didn't want to read my Bible. And I told her, well, I, I still do it every day, but I'm just in this season where I just don't want to read it. And I remember her advice that she gave me, and it was really bad advice. And I'm, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but it, it was bad advice. <laughs> and she said, well, why don't you just not do it for a season until it becomes fresh again? And I said, well, because I believe that prayer and reading my scriptures is a discipline. And here's the thing. It is. It's a discipline. I do it, not because I always want to do it, but because I know I need to do it. And there might be seasons where I don't want to do it, but I still do it. Why? Because I know it's good for me. And I know ultimately I'll get through that season and the Lord will use that. And here's the thing, God's Word never comes back void. It's always good. It's always living and active. God's Word, that's the beauty of it. Is it always has an effect on us, even if we don't think it does. So I do it because I know it's important that I need, it needs to be done. Same thing with coming to church. Here's the thing, guys. Even pastors sometimes wake up not wanting to come on a Sunday. But I come, one, because yes, this is my role, this is my responsibility, this is how I provide for my family. But I also come because I know it's important for me to be here. I know it's important for me to preach God's Word. Because this is the responsibility God has given me to this church. And I take that very seriously. Here's the thing. We need you. I'm not just saying that as false embellishment. We need you. We need people, more people, like Jessica and Barb and many people that help serve in this church, like Lydia, who work hard to help in different things, like Leonard and Marie, who faithfully change our church signs regularly, who reach out to people that are oftentimes in need and 
help give benevolence to them. We need your skills. We need your talents. We need the things that God has placed uniquely in you. So it is so important for you to grow in maturity. So if you want to develop your faith this year, then take the time to grow in your disciplines of being a Christian. Come to church. Read your Bible. Get plugged into a ministry here. We're working on launching some small groups this year. Get plugged into that. We already have a woman's group that you can get plugged into that hopefully we'll be starting to meet again soon. And other opportunities are coming up. Take your faith seriously. And I don't say this to be mean. I just say it because it's true. Amen? You hear me here? You, hear, you, you guys know I love you? Good. Allow this New Year season to refresh you and to excite you for what's to come. So again, the three key points today to develop your faith is to align your goals with Christ, to look forward and not in the past, and to seek to grow in Christian maturity. Let's pray.